Why, hello, hello. It's Peter Lewis Venero here of the PLV Podcast, of course. So today I had the pleasure of interviewing our very first author. His name is Edmund Abramian, and he has written a book called Wired for Success, Practical Philosophies to Master Entrepreneurship and Live Life on Your Terms. So when I spoke to Edmund, we went through his upbringing and his inspiration for writing the book. And from there, I asked him a few questions from just various chapters of all of this gold that's tucked into his book. So here's a bit about Edmund. At 21, Edmund Abramian built a successful e-commerce and wholesale business, and within one year, he expanded into distribution with his own product line, which maintained profitability for over 10 years. And he started all of this with just $160. Today, Edmund is still in business, and he's also an author, investor, and consultant, as well as a mentor to newer entrepreneurs, helping them develop business strategies and mindsets so that they can grow their business online. To this end, he has spent years cultivating business and psychological acumen and is no stranger to starting different types of companies from the ground up. His idea is that a person's philosophy is the number one factor that holds him back from tapping into the creative genius within to solve everyday challenges. So grab yourself something to drink, tuck in and listen to this chat coming up, which is super insightful, whether you're an entrepreneur or maybe you're just an aspiring entrepreneur Um, possibly an entrepreneur, or maybe you're just someone who prefers to create their own path. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I enjoyed conducting it. And here you go. Hello, Edmund. Hello, Peter. Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me all right? Yes, I can. Excellent. All right, nicely. Yeah, you're coming in perfectly, so that's awesome. Perfect, perfect. How's it going? So you're there in LA. It's it's 3 p.m. It's um 8 a.m. here in Sydney. How are you doing? I'm I'm very well, and good good morning to you. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> very uh, much. Yeah, it's been a nice day. It's a bit hot out, but other than that, everything's real nice out here. Yeah, nice. We're actually just going into autumn here in Sydney. It keeps going back and forth. It's like autumn one second, and then it goes back to to summer. So it's uh very uh very funny. Um, I used to live in LA actually. I don't know if I told you. I used to live there until two thousand and four. You you used to live where? I used to live in LA. What what, what, part, what part of LA? I used to live right near Mid Wilshire, so like Koreatown area, if you know it. Yeah, oh, yeah, you probably know it quite well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh, that's awesome. Cool, that's cool. How is LA these days? Because the last time I was there, I think I was there in 2019, just before like 2020 happened. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, L- like Koreatown just completely changed because the last time I was there before that was about three years ago. But then, um, I don't know, just watching on the news, it looks like there's different parts of LA that's, um, or just California in general, that's degrading, but that might be the news skewing things. Are you noticing anything on your side? Uh, you know, Peter, to be honest, I mostly just stick to my own thing and, you know, do my own stuff. Cool. Uh, but when I, when I do watch, you know, news or read anything online uh, related to that, I, I do get the same notion. Yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. I'm the same. I do. I, I do my best just to stay away from news, especially mainstream news as much as possible. And then um, I definitely keep to just say um, a circle of friends and influencers that are of the same mindset and, you know, goal setting as well. And um, yeah, we kind of create our own paradigm in a way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we gotta, we gotta watch how we're being influenced, right? Exactly right. So we're going to get into that because I love your book, first and foremost. It's an, such an awesome piece. And that's obviously why I wanted to, to bring you on. And um, one of these chapters you speak about um, influences and how it's creating our reality as well. I think it's chapter five. But um, I have a list of questions, if you don't mind, that we can that we can go through. Yeah, absolutely. Thank, thank you uh, for having me on here, first and foremost. And I uh, appreciate the support with the book, and I'll do my best to answer 
your questions yeah <laughs> yeah cool my pleasure it sounds uh yeah it sounds like uh an awesome book i think it's going to do very well i'm definitely going to be recommending this to i already have actually to uh my entrepreneurial friends and i think it really applies to people even though they're not entrepreneurs I mean, there's a lot of entrepreneurs within corporations and pretty much anybody that doesn't really, I guess, resonate or align with the, with the status quo. So I've been passing it along to, uh, to them as well. But um, it's so refreshing. I love the title, Wired for Success. And so I wanted to ask first and foremost, what's, uh, what inspired the book and how long did it take to write? Because... I have a few friends that are also writing books, and so, and I may pen a book one day, who knows, but what inspired it initially, and, and also how long did it take to write? Yeah, definitely. So what inspired the book? I mean, there was many different reasons, but I think the most prominent one, it, it has turned out to be that I had some things to say, and I, I didn't really have a platform to say them on. Okay. So I figured a book would be, you know, the best avenue for that. Um, as, yeah. as, as far as, uh, I mean, it was interesting ways of how things led up to get to that point. And I kind of touched base on it in, in the first chapter of the book with, uh, you know, the accident that I had, the surgery and all of that, mm. and the realizations. So that, that was kind of like how the unfoldment of how the book began, right? Uh, you know, coming to those realizations of, you know, taking ownership of your life and really adapting to circumstances and whatnot. Yep. Yep. And yeah. And then uh, as far as uh, how long the book took to write, um, geez, I'm always a little embarrassed when we talk about stuff like that because it, <laughs> it did take me, it did take me quite a while. I mean, it, it was about, you know, maybe about a year of just like going back and forth, whether I want to write the book or not, you mm. know, dealing, dealing with the, you know, there's, you mentioned some other people writing the book or trying to write a book right now. Mm -hmm. Maybe mm -hmm. they can relate to this, but you know, just the insecurities of putting your thoughts on paper and putting it out there for the world to see mm. you know, dealing with all of that. So it, it was about a year of going back and forth with that. Yeah. And, uh, maybe another year and a half to two years of actual research and writing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, just the whole editing, publishing, all that stuff, maybe about another, you know, nine months to a year, we could say. So in total, maybe around like, you know, four years, something like that. Yeah, gotcha. So it's definitely a labor of love, it sounds like. And that's certainly nothing to be embarrassed about because I can I can relate just in di different um different mediums that I create content. I mean, it can be very vulnerable to to write from the heart and put things out there. And, um, you know, for the ones that are writing books right now as well, at least they can resonate with that. And, you know, everybody's human and we all have our own processes. So I think that's awesome. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, but, yeah, definitely. I think I think the thing is the perseverance. You know, once we have a goal, something in mind that we want to do and we actually decide to commit to it meaning that we cut off all other options and we go you know all in on that commitment that we set for ourselves i think mm. it's just a matter of persevering through those uh, roller coaster of emotions i, I guess we can uh, call it yeah yeah exactly right um because some of my inspirations as well for having this talk was um because in the book you go through just so many amazing uh philosophies um, a lot of them I heard, a lot of them I actually haven't heard about, and the ones that I have heard about, I didn't go as deeply into them as you did in the book, so I really love that. And I came across the book initially from, um, I think I might have mentioned, I started following you on Facebook, I added you as a friend on Facebook, you accepted, so thank you for that, but I forgot which channel initially that I had found you in, but I found that your posts were incredibly insightful and philosophical and motivating, and they were just super refreshing. So I was like, yeah, well, I'm going to follow this guy. And because at that time, I think I was sort of just sort of weaning off of mainstream politics and I needed a, I needed a sort of um, just a new, uh, new environment to put my energy into. So I started channeling more into, uh, into this area. And then I came across, 
across your post, and then I saw that you posted the, uh, the the link to the book, and so I thought, yes, that is one to um, to read. But um, I want to get into some questions, if that's okay. I thought what I would do is maybe I'll start with reading the synopsis that you posted onto your Facebook, and then I can go into a few um, a few questions, if that's all right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that sounds great. Okay, cool. Um, and I'm a bit weak at the moment. So to be honest, I'm just about four and a half days into this water fast experiment. <laughs> so my oh, nice. I know it's going really well now. Fourth day is actually a lot better. I have a mentor. So she's she's been mentoring me to Jenny. So thank you, Jenny, if you're listening to this for <laughs> mentoring me. Um, third day was hell because I was just like, yeah, that was probably like the hardest one. I woke up very exhausted. But um, yeah, fourth day, you're sort of um, coasting. And I think I'll go for about another half a day and then we'll call it quits there, at least for now. But um, yeah, so here we go. This is Wired for Success, Practical Philosophies to Master Entrepreneurship and Live Life on Your Terms. So the synopsis is, it's a book for those who are curious not only about financial freedom, but also about intellectual and emotional freedom. It's for the individual who wants to be able to rely on themselves completely to create life on their terms. If you're like us, if you're like most of us, you own more books than you can ever read. You don't want your time wasted because you have so many other great books to get into. So when you choose a book, you want it to shake you up on the inside. You want that rush, that sensation from building a new connection in your mind. You want a fresh insight that's what you can get when you read Wired for Success. This is a book that explores philosophy and entrepreneurship. It's one that challenges modern day cultural conditioning and exposes widespread limiting beliefs that cause people to struggle in business, to struggle in business and in life. In it, you'll find Eastern philosophy and Western psychology employed to describe how the human being experiences reality and why some people see a world others don't. You'll uncover the values and beliefs that can influence your behavior to be consistent with both happiness and success, and you'll discover how to get an advantage in playing the role of the entrepreneur. Wired for Success is all about practical ways of getting an edge against the worst enemy you'll face in business, yourself. So that in itself just completely captured me because there were so many lines here um, that resonated, especially the the challenging the modern day cultural conditioning and then you know how the human being experiences reality and how some people don't see the same world I think that is super fascinating I want to ask you about that um, but also uh, this one about you'll discover how to get an advantage in playing the role of the entrepreneur I I absolutely love that but this is um this is one of the glaring things that stand out to me first and foremost just um in general like beyond the book and in I guess society or in an individual's life is how the human being experiences reality and why some people see a world others don't that is so significant and resonant to me why do you think that is Well we all have different perceptions of the things that we see outside ourselves right mm -hmm. um you know we could for example just the just language the the associations we have with particular words uh shapes our thoughts about certain things so for example if i say uh gum right uh -huh. like gum g-u-m um what's what's the first thing that comes to your mind bubble gum of course bubble gum <laughs> so, so chewing gum, like that, that I, I would think like that most, most people would have chewing gum as, as like the, the first association to that word. Uh -huh. Well, if you say the word gum in a room full of dentists, uh, they're going to think about a person's mouth first. Right. right. Gotcha. So that's, that's just one simple example of how the associations we have in our, in our heads and our brain uh, can influence the way we see the world around us. So gotcha. now, now we, we could take that and put it into the business environment or any sort of, you know, a, accomplishment someone is trying to reach, whether it's, a, you know, an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, or someone just an artist or some, you know, creative building something, mm. um, you know, what's, how are we programmed when, how are we programmed to face challenges? You know, mm -hmm. when let's say 
you know, you're running a company and you lose a big client, you know, mm -hmm. what is the initial associations that you make with losing that client? What's the meaning we assign to that? Sure. Well, you know, it could be the end of the world or it could be, you know, freed up time to pursue, you know, another even bigger, better client. Right. Exactly. Glass half full type of scenario. Right. Right. So it's, it's, it's a matter of how we choose to see certain things and that will influence our response to those things. Yes. Okay. Makes complete sense. I'm certainly no stranger to that. Um, just with my friends <clears throat> and myself in particular. So I've kind of been the one that's been the, the weird one, the, the not normal one, the one that's into, <laughs> um, you know, esoteric um, knowledge and wisdom, things like astrology and, and numerology and um, so on and so forth. And most of my friends are generally, um, well, they used to be. So now it's kind of a split. Now it's kind of half, fat, half, half. But um, before the majority of them were, you know, living the the normal mainstream life, which was which was fun for a while until I realized, like, holy shit, there's whole there's a whole sort of like I guess paradigm that exists, um, which is mainstream, and then there's these other other paradigms that exist as well. And so when I started to see that, it just it took a long time to really reconcile what. I was observing because I've always been sort of just a macro viewer of, of uh, life just in general. And then I started to learn about, um, yeah, just paradigms and, and influence, but it still boggles my mind these days when sometimes something to me is just depicted in such a different way to somebody else. I just, I get so fascinated and, and blown away by that. Oh, you're not the only one, Peter. I, I find that kind of stuff really interesting, too. Yeah. When did you start to notice that for yourself, would you say? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, I think it really started resonating right before that accident. Uh, you oh, know, this, right. whole, this whole idea of, you know, how so many different people could see so many different worlds. Mm. Uh, but I think if, I, if I'm to honestly answer that question, I think it was when I first started my, my when, I when I started my first business, I had mm -hmm. read Laws of Success by Napoleon Hill. Um, yep. I think he, he's the author of the other, one of his other famous books, Think and Grow Rich. Of course, classic. Um, right. So when I, when I read that, I, I started... I guess you could say that was my introduction into this um, path. Yes. And that's, that's kind of where it all started. Yes. Gotcha. Interesting. And then would you mind recapping your accident for the, for the uh, listeners, if, if that's okay? Cause I think that's going to draw context for the rest of where we're going. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So um, I guess I could give some backstory to that. I had started my first business at a really young age, 21. And um, within just two years, I had reached a six-figure mark. And I, I started in e-commerce, and I expanded into wholesale and distribution really quickly. Um, and, you know, everything looked really great on paper. I was making good money. I had made enough to leave my job. So I was kind of doing things on my own, waking up when I wanted, going to sleep when I wanted, and you know, nice, buying all the nice. things that I wanted and, you know, living that, uh, the so-called, the, the American dream that's kind of imposed on us. Right. Right. Uh, right. But something, you know, within just, uh, didn't feel right. You know, things weren't as I thought they, they should have been, you know, mm -hmm. uh, maybe that was a matter of my expectations or whatnot, but, uh, bottom line is something didn't feel right within me, even though so many things look great outside me. And right. it, it really took this accident that I had in a international Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournament um, mm. to kind of wake me up. I had a, a kind of unlucky fall uh, during mm. that, during a match in that tournament. And I tore the labrum uh, in my shoulder. Right. And it, it, it required, yeah, it was, it was pretty painful. <laughs> Uh, it required intensive surgery and um, uh, it was a long rehab process after that. But it was just a couple days after the accident, 
Uh, it was, you know, evening time at night. I was sitting up in bed because it was just so painful to lay down. And, you know, I was sitting there just, um, you know, wondering how things got to be the way they were. You know, I thought I was making the right moves. I thought, um, you know, I was doing the things I was supposed to do. I thought I had the things I wanted to have. Mm. But, you know, something deep down told me like, hey, this this isn't it. You know, there was there was more that you were supposed to be doing. There was more that not necessarily you were supposed to be doing, but there was more that you wanted to be doing. Um, okay. Yeah. There was, yeah. yeah, there was those parts of myself that I wasn't really completely taking ownership of. And it was really leaking into my life in so many different areas, which was causing that, um, you know, those, those feelings of something missing. Right. Yeah. And it was really, um, it was that day that, you know, all these realizations really started uh, dawning upon me of how we, all of us are really completely responsible for every aspect of our lives. Um, yeah. You know, it's, uh, a lot of the times we think, you know, there's other people that are supposed to be doing things for us and whatnot. We have these expectations, whether it's the government, you know, our parents or mm. our schools or our bosses, our managers, our employees. You know, we have all these expectations we put on other people. But, uh, you know, the, the reality is if we are to walk this path, you know, no one's going to walk this path for us. No one is going to jump in our shoes and do the things that we want to do and have things be the way that we're trying to mold them to be for our own lives. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and with that comes uh, a certain responsibility of, you know, taking ownership of whether it's, you know, your financial life, your business, your health, your relationships, whatever it may be. Uh, it all boils down to the common denominator, which is you as an individual or me as an individual or anyone, right? Um, yeah. you know, if we want to be creating life on our terms, that means that we got to take responsibility for the things in our life to make them on our terms. And, you know, it, it things might not be our fault, um, uh, but they are our responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I want to get into that as well. Um, especially in chapter 16, where you demystify money. That's one of my favorites. Um, so yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, I, I think I came across the concept of creating our own reality. Um, I guess it was back in, well, I guess it was when The Secret came out. That sort of just like opened the door for me in terms of law of attraction and manifestation, which completely, you know, it changed my life. But at the same time, I, I was using the completely incorrect manifestation techniques. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, when I came to when I came to understand um, that we can create our own reality, that's really when life changed because for so long, and I still find myself doing it, you know, blaming government, blaming education, but I'm grown enough now to know that that's what was shown to me to um, help me understand what actually needs to change. Because in fact, most of the things that I learned ended up being the exact opposite of what the truth was. And so when I learned that I can actually observe that and then, you know, take personal responsibility and action to change that, that's really when my life started changing. So um, in chapter two, you, you go into the illusion of reality, which I think is a, a perfect um, segue. Um, you talk about the habit of excessive thinking, and I confess that I am definitely uh, prone to this. And you talk about Plato's allegory of the shadows and the, and the cave. And then you mention, uh, you say, when you're not tuned into the playful rhythm of life, we're all swimming upstream. And, you know, for me personally, I feel like my mind is just constantly switched on 24-7. And then you mention, instead of action, we need wisdom. And I was like, nice, because I'm always looking for... Um, remedies to, you know, what I could be doing, what I could be doing better. But um, I'm wondering for you personally, what does that look like to you practically to be using, I guess, if you're looking for a time to just not take action and to, and to just be, and um, 
I guess you turn to, to wisdom? Like, how would you actually do that personally? Right. So I, I think I think what you, how you describe that, how your mind is always on and, you know, racing, I think that's a part of the human condition and myself included. And uh, I think it's it's something that we all experience. It's a natural thing. And um, the way that I found to deal with it best is to find different methods to just slow things down. And mm -hmm. uh, what I mean by that is, you know, you referenced uh, the allegory of the cave, Plato's allegory of the cave that I, that I have in, in that chapter. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of the times we can get attached to certain thoughts and like put ourselves in these thought loops and not even realize how we've been thinking the same thought for, you know, weeks, months, maybe even years. And that could, that in itself could, you know, influence that perception going back to what we were talking about a little while ago, oh, yes. our perception of how we're seeing the world. So what I found is if we find time, if we can carve out time throughout our days to just slow things down a bit, we can catch those thoughts coming up and up and up again and again. Mm. And there, there, there will come a period inevitably if we are sticking to that practice of slowing things down where we realize like, Hey, I've, this thought has been in my head for, you know, X amount of time. Mm, yep. and, then, and then from there we can like kind of uh, just reflect and be like, okay, what, what truth does this thought actually hold? Where does it come from? Why am right. I repeatedly thinking this? What is it trying to show me? What am I not seeing? Mm. You know, and I think that those kinds of questions are what um, opens the door to reflection and what uh, allows I guess the wisdom to, to really take form in, in our, in ourselves. Yeah. I love that. Um, some of the early studying that I was doing was with, um, with Kevin Trudeau and uh, some of his work. Have you heard of Kevin Trudeau before? I, I don't think I have. Okay. I'll send you a link. Um, it's a bit old, uh, older, but I mean, it's absolutely still valid, but I had learned um, at that time, that our brains are transmitters and receivers of thought, and that when we are, um, you know, staying open and, you know, as you said um, in, in so many words, basically just practicing that mindfulness and, um, you know, slowing down, that's when the brain can actually capture these, uh, these thoughts that are just, um, I guess, floating around in the in the ether i've always wondered like where thought actually comes from because i don't think it's actually us doing the thinking i think it's our brain sort of processing but would you what would you say like what would your perspective on that be on um, uh, i mean um, on where thoughts come from i mm -hmm. I, I would say i i really don't know <laughs> yeah okay That's a very fascinating question that um you know, we can think about and discuss for, I think, you know, hours on end and not come to a concrete answer. I, re I really True. don't know. Um, yeah. But I think it was Nikola Tesla. He, he had that same idea of our, our, our brains kind of being like antennas to All pick right. up. Yeah, to pick up those things. So that would make sense. Make sense. Yeah, he is incredible. I hope that is his, the most like the majority of his work uh, comes out um, in our lifetime and, and sooner the better. Um, so in chapter four, which is the, uh, the self's mental, um, blueprint, actually, I'm sorry, before I go there and forgive me, I'm not sure if this was last night where, cause I was re I was reviewing your book last night, um, just to prepare for today. And then I'm not sure if I heard it again in your book or if I had a dream about having this conversation with somebody, but I mean, it's sort of this tactic, um, that I'm using uh, myself just to decondition from you know i used to work i used to work in the you know corporate sector and i've been independent and um, been running my own business for quite a while now but i still find myself in this hustle conditioning where it's like you know nine to five i need to be doing something and if i'm not doing 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 and pushing 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 then um i'm not growing but i mean what was taught to me, and I thought this sounded, you know, completely irrational, was that 
I need to, uh, we need to just actually just stop and let things be and let things sort of just cultivate. And then actually that makes much more of an impact. I guess an analogy would be like, you know, you don't overwater a plant, you just water a plant, let it be, and then let it grow. Did you mention that in your, in your book or do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I, I don't think I mentioned it with that exact analogy, but yeah, it ties into the, to the concept of how, you know, just slowing things down and letting uh, right. our brains process things uh, accordingly so we can find, you know, the, the most efficient and straight path ahead. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Cause that's what triggered that for me. So that, uh, that makes sense to you as well then. So that's that, that's good to know. Yeah, definitely. And that's a, I might add, that's a pretty good analogy too, with the watering the plant. So if it, if it was a conversation in your dream, that was a, that was a really insightful <laughs> okay. conversation. Yeah, feel free to feel free to keep that one. Um, <laughs> so in chapter four, which is the self's mental blueprint, you talk about the limits of self-image. And um, so I've done a lot of work just personally on, on recreating the next uh, self-image when I once I learned about about that. And um it's about like, I guess, creating the image, which always kind of like boggled me, like sort of like creating the next version of yourself and then um, taking action accordingly. And you sort of just step step into that. But um, you mentioned how we're never the same person, like we're constantly evolving. And I find that absolutely true. Like I'm always sort of just describing myself in, in versions these days, like that was Peter 1.0 or that was Peter 2.0. But um I wonder for you, are there any sort of techniques or modalities that you use to create your next image that um, that you're wanting to step into? That's a good question. That's a good question, Peter. Um, I think I would have to say it, it, not just for myself, but for anyone else listening, I think it, it all comes down to the vision that we have. Um, yes. Whatever vision we have about the life that we want to create, that's kind of like if we can imagine a, uh, a a triangle, like that would be the the point of the triangle is the vision, and then everything else kind of just boils down from there, uh, or trickles down from there, I should say. Yeah. Um, like our identity, I guess, would be the next layer down from the vision. Mm. Um, it's the identity that it's going to take to manifest this vision. And following that would be, you know, the, you know, what sort of, um, you know, what's important to this vision. And I guess that would lead into, you know, the, the values, the principles, the beliefs that we have that would come together to, to mold this identity that we're, we're creating. Um, and then, you know, trickling down from there would be, you know, our, our behavior, our capabilities and, Yep. You know, the environments that we place ourselves in, the relationships that we create, and so on. Yes, yeah, makes complete sense to me. I'm such a big advocate of um, just vision and setting the end point and destination for what we're wanting to create. So that would make sense. Um, I guess as long as we're keeping that vision in mind, we're sort of just um, consciously and hopefully subconsciously working to fulfill that vision. So that makes a lot of sense. Um you talk about being self-aware and um, actually it was chapter five, which is called being self-aware, which I think is so fundamental. I wish as many people as possible would um, undertake that. <laughs> but um, you go into the bit about recycled thoughts, um, how we should live. For example, like these thoughts are just coming into our head, how we should live, you know, fun versus boring, what's right or not etc etc and creating these cultural norms um so i was wondering how do you personally i guess you kind of answered that already but i'll ask you anyway how do you avoid getting influenced or pulled into someone else's reality that you're um not finding favorable you know you'd rather create one yourself yeah it's it, it it's gonna come back down to those core fundamentals of you know slowing things down building building the self-awareness and um, being able to recognize, you know, what thoughts are, how the thoughts that we have are influencing us in particular ways. So if we were to tie it back to what we just talked about with the vision and the identity, well, 
obviously as we're growing up, we're influenced by our parents, our schools, our teachers, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, religions that we belong to or any sort of communities, mm-hmm. each one of these social um, enterprises influences us in particular ways. And each one of them have this idea of how we as an individual should should be and what sort of things we should want and what sort of things we should strive for and do. Beautiful. Those those practices of slowing things down, and there's countless different ways to do that, right? It's not just, uh, you know, uh, sitting down in meditation, you know, you could go for a walk in nature it, 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 there's there's countless ways and we could we could talk about too if you if you'd like but really if it, it comes down to that core practice of finding what works for you being able to slow things down and realize if this vision that you are creating is really genuine to your core desires or is it just something you've been led to believe that you should want you know, are you doing this to make other people happy or are you doing this because it's something you genuinely want to do? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Well said. There's so much gold that you have just tucked all throughout the book. I wish I can go through through everything. Um, you know, chapter six, you talk about the self that leads itself and then, you know, programmed humans in chapter 10, I think was so profound. Everybody definitely should check that one out. And especially chapter 11, um, life wounds and um, just trauma. I just highlighted trauma in general and how that can also affect our our reality. Um, I wanted to ask you one more question, if I could, um, about chapter 16. And this was demystifying money. And you said it so awesomely. It was, you, you said, if we don't, um, or you said we'd better master money or it will master us. And I was like, that is so profound. That is so true because money used to master me. <laughs> it still does sometimes, but I've, um, I've definitely been, been learning because just growing up personally, my story to this is our family. We just, money was scarce. And so that program, that programming stuck with me through my later years and had obviously detrimental effects. And it took a lot of deconditioning and reconditioning in order to just reframe my, my beliefs and my, um, I guess, relationship with money in general. But um, yeah, you mentioned, you know, the, the myths about money and uh, how attachment may be the root of all evil, but money itself is, is not. And I completely agree. I used to think that it was evil, but now I know that it's just, um, I just call it an energy. I think you called it an illusion. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did you mean by by illusion? I would love to know about that, and also about like how do you practice detachment personally? Yeah, definitely. So uh, I'll first answer the, the question about uh, money being an illusion. Mm. Um, really, it's just a, it's a means of exchange, right? <laughs> you know, it's yep. It, back in the day, people used to use you know silver coins. Before that, they used to barter with you know uh, various commodities. You know, right now, money is, it's just a bunch of ones and zeros in a computer. Gotcha. Uh, Recorded, you know, (laughs) IOU, essentially. They're all IOUs, right. Yeah, that the society gives us. And Mm. a lot of people, um, well, first, I should say that that chapter, I was deliberately a bit confrontational, even right in the beginning with, Mm. you know, how how I call out. The education system and how mm. we're conditioned to constantly look into the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I admired so, that. I appreciated that for the for the record. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think uh, I I I'm I'm I don't quite see myself as much of a confrontational person, but mm-hmm. I think with certain ideas, it's necessary to um, you know be that way in one form or another. You know, comedians use comedy. Uh, I, I'm. I mean, I, I might have some jokes here and there sometimes, but I'm definitely not, you know, a, a stand-up comedian. So I had to resort to other other means. Yeah. But, you know, I, the bottom line is there's, there's ideas that have been uh, given to us about money that kind of 
hinders our ability to make it. Uh, right. And being aware of that kind of just helps with helps with that. Um, mm. being, yeah. yeah. The um, yeah, I'm a, such a big proponent on um, just reforming the education system because. Um, I don't know about you, but personally, I was raised in the public schooling system, which later I found out was basically government education. And, <laughs> you know, it's it's basically just, um, I guess, conditioning to work in the uh, in the existing system as opposed to, you know, being a pioneer and being entrepreneurial and um, and just, you know, creating. But um is that how you grew up as well? Or what was your, I guess, you know, sort of like primary education like? Was it was it public education or or otherwise? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I could relate to uh, your condition of of how you grew up. You know, I, I grew up on the lower end of the socioeconomic hierarchy and I was in public schools and mm. all of that. Um, and even right. at a young age, even though, you know, my, I was constantly, uh, you know, exposed to the benefits of reading, uh, by, by, you know, my elders, my older brother, my parents, I, I never really got into it until my adult life. I wish I did, but you know, that's just how my, my childhood unfolded. I didn't. So I was, you know, mere, I was, I don't know if this is the best word, but I was, I was like hostage to the public education system. <laughs> yes. You know, that, no, that's what I they had. I can definitely resonate with that with that expression, and I'm assuming that the uh, public education didn't really include a sort of like a financial um, financial education and money management type of um, education. With that, oh, definitely not, 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 not where I went to school. I had you know, a, yeah, I had exactly a hunch. How you described it, it was you know uh, fit into the mold that we have set for you and you will mm. be fine. That, that was, that was the idea. Wow. And then was your upbringing in um, California as well? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in, in Los Angeles. Okay. Gotcha. So how did you actually end up re reconditioning, um, I guess your money mindset and then how do you practice detachment uh, from that as well? Because obviously you'd have a, a pretty good, um, I guess, a pretty healthy relationship with, with money now, I'm guessing. Yeah. I mean, I, I should say it's a work in progress. You know, it's a, it's a daily discipline. Yeah. Um, you know, being that I, I grew up the way I did, those ideas are still in my head. Mm. Uh, they're, they're, it's just a matter of, uh, like you say, detaching from those ideas and realizing that that's not the truth of, uh, you know, the life I'm creating. Yeah. And, Really, it's just a, a discipline of constantly uh, becoming aware of those thoughts when they come up, um, realizing the ways that it used to serve me and, you know, constantly reaffirming to myself of how it is no longer serving me in the current, I guess, uh, version, go, using the reference that you did, version of myself that mm. I, I have right now. And it's, it's just the awareness of it. You know, once you have awareness of a certain modality or paradigm, it's very easy to switch it up. But yep. the awareness is the, is, the, is the hard part, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's really coming down to your uh, fundamental, um, I guess, core, uh, I guess, if, if you might call it a value, which is just that self-awareness constantly. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a great way of, of, of putting it. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Um, there's so much more I wish that we could go into. Like I said, this your book is just tucked with uh, so much gold. I wish all the entrepreneurs um, and aspiring entre entrepreneurs would um, would read it. And I'll make sure that we leave the, the link for them to, to, to do that. But I guess, okay, so I'm going to ask you um, just one more tough question. <laughs> it's probably going to be a tough one, I'm guessing. But if there was um, if there's one thing that you wish that readers could take away from the book, what would that be? Or if there's maybe even one reason why you'd want somebody to, to read this book, what would that be? Whichever way you want to answer it. Yeah, that is a tough question, Peter. <laughs> is it? <laughs> okay. As I was saying, because there's so much, there's so many, there's so many 
uh, just notable philosophies and just like in psychology in general. So I, I thought that might be a tough one. I'm sorry about that. Oh, no, I think uh, tough is good. Tough isn't necessarily bad. Tough is good, too. Okay. Um, I, I think I would say if I had to choose one, mm. I think we could relate it to the topics we're talking about right now and the theme of the book which is self-awareness and i would say the one thing would be to realize that mm. the thoughts that you have that you entertain yourself with in your head uh, are not always true nice yeah so well put because um everything just starts with the thought and you know that's what i'm finding more and more and it's really a matter of what we decide to do with that thought. Do we dismiss it if it's if it's negative, or do we um, take action on it if it's actually something that's going to be good for us? So, yeah, very well said. So, are you working on anything else currently at the moment? Are you working on another book, or are you taking a break and you're gonna catch your breath for a little while? So, actually, right now, I I have kind of shifted gears and I'm building this uh, mentorship program. I have a few people that I've been uh, helping build their own, um, I guess, productive asset, we can call it. Uh, I've realized that as creative professionals, a lot of the time, you know, we can have so many ideas of so many things to do. And sometimes we can get caught up in that and work against ourselves and end up running in circles. So what I'm doing now is I'm helping those creative professionals who are tired of running in those circles to, uh, you know, come together and build that productive asset that can provide them a dependable stream of income uh, without having to keep starting over. That so, is so awesome. What's the name of the mentorship program? Uh, so right now I'm just calling it the Asset Creator Program. Awesome. Um, yeah, because I, I realized, you know, that that need to uh you know if, if if we're on this path like you said we're trying to break away from that nine to five uh, mm. we need to have something that we could you know put out there some value that we could provide to society on our own terms yes and i figure there's tons of people out there with you know specialized knowledge or special skills and particular fields mm -hmm. um, well I, I figure if i could you know come together with them and help them with the business part um, you know, put, bring in my experience and help them with the business part mm. so they don't have to struggle with, you know, developing their product or their service and marketing it. Um, I think, you know, we could we could do some cool things in the world. Yeah, that sounds um, quite profound because a lot of us creators, I mean, we just have so many ideas, but I mean, it's really coming down to how do we actually frame those and structure them to um, actually be operable and, you know, hopefully profitable to, to reinvest and, and do some good with. But um, what's an example of one of the assets? Is it primarily, uh, so there's service-related businesses in there, you said? So it, it could, I mean, it depends on what the, pers what the person's knowledge or skills um you know, what, what's appropriate for them to do. Okay. Uh, I, I have, uh, you know, released physical products, digital products, you know, the book. So I kind of just draw upon the experiences I have of building these different um, assets, we can call them, categorize yep. them as, mm. and marketing them to kind of, um, you know, make money off, uh, off of that, provide value to people and make money off of that. Yep. And, you know, I think that's really the way to break free. You know, you do the work once, you put in a bunch of effort, create something, and then you can profit from that years down the line. Um, yes. Yeah. I think that was one of the things that I didn't realize about a book is that it pretty much pays, you know, I guess if you do it correctly, it can it can pay dividends for uh, for lifetimes. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah, absolutely. That's so cool. So where can people find you online if they're wanting to get a hold of this magnificent book and maybe even check out the asset creator program uh so i have a, a website with a mailing list they can subscribe to it's called businesslifetactics.com okay and i'm also on facebook and linkedin cool. um, i also have an instagram but i think the most active one is facebook currently 
okay, yeah, you're so awesome on there. So I, I love your posts. Please keep going with those because they're inspirational. And um, I'll, I'll make sure that we leave a link to, um, to your website as well as your social media posts in the uh in the show notes so thanks so much for uh for joining me on this um on this podcast i really appreciate it. i'm going to be sharing this with all of my entrepreneurial friends and you know and and beyond but uh it was a, it was a big pleasure having you on so uh thank you so much oh thank you peter i, I it was definitely a pleasure for me too and i had a lot of fun yeah, cool. So let's let's stay in touch because I'd love to know more personally about your um about your mentorship program and how that's going. And then um, who knows, maybe one day have you back. Yeah, definitely. I, I look forward to it, Peter. Alrighty, cool. Thank you so much. Um, you have a, an awesome rest of the week, and um, we'll chat soon, Edmund. Thank you. Same to you, Peter. Absolutely. Alrighty. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. And that was my chat with Edmund Abramayan. What an awesome guy, you know. So I was saying in the interview, he covers so much that there's so many golden nuggets just peppered throughout his book. So if you're an entrepreneur or if you're an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe you're just somebody who likes to create their own path, this book is definitely for you. Even if you've read a lot of the common self-development books, I would still highly recommend Wired for Success because there are just so many philosophies that he covers that create a full picture and many that were new to me. And even the ones that I did know about, Edmund goes deeper into them as well. And so I find them all super valuable and it's all just in one book, which is absolutely awesome. So I just want to say thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I look forward to bringing you some more interesting content because I have some others being lined up. So stay tuned for that. And until then, I'll catch you on the next one. This episode is brought to you by Creative Communications, where we work with conscious entrepreneurs and professional service providers by amplifying their presence online with digital marketing. If you're a coach, consultant, or a practitioner looking to grow your audience and revenue so that you can make a positive impact, visit createic.com. That's C-R-E-A-T-I-Q.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe so you can be notified of forthcoming episodes. You can also leave us up to a five-star rating if you'd like. If you have suggestions about related topics or if you have any feedback of any kind, please feel free to send a voicemail. The link is in the description for you to do so. If you're not already following me on Twitter or on Instagram, I post content for entrepreneurs and some behind-the-scenes musings. You can find me at Peter Lewis Venero. The link is also in the show notes. Once again, thank you for joining me today, and we'll catch you on the next one.